Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you excited this morning? Well, let's have a seat. Praise God. Allow the children get to their classes. We are going to have a great time in the Word. How many of you have been here since Friday? How many of you were here on Friday? See your hands. Awesome. Were you blessed by the Word on Friday? And Saturday, yesterday, how many of you were here? Awesome. Awesome. That was good. We had a move of the Holy Spirit. You know, Brother Higgins said, there will be a move of the Spirit that will be lost to a generation if they are not taught into it. By precept and by example. By teaching and by example. And yesterday we had a move of God. You know, someone shared a testimony with me yesterday after the service um, about a, a back pain they've had for a while. And taking some painkillers, but the pain did not subside. But he just made up his mind that, hey, we're going to church, we're going to the house of God, this pain has to leave. And um, after the service, he just realized the pain was no more. He had to run back and say, I just have to share this testimony. Thank God for the healings that took place. I said, thank God for the healings that took place. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, um, we as a church are going to see more of the manifestation of the Spirit of God as we progress. Uh, because, you know, sometimes we can't just talk about what is fake and unreal. We've got to show the real. And sometimes the Lord allows us, by the Spirit of God, to go in that direction. And I believe that we are set for more manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit. An authentic demonstration of grace. Amen. Alright, this morning, uh, for those of you that have not been here in the past two days, I pray that the Holy Spirit will help you to get to where we are. Because I want to build on what I've been teaching in the past two days. Make sure your phone does not ring at all. So just a few minutes for you to check. Make sure it's on silence. It's not ringing as we teach God's word. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's pray. Already, let's get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We've been dealing with this subject of manifesting the kingdom of God. And I try to show you from the first day how the image of Daniel, um, the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had and Daniel interpreted the dream in Daniel chapter 2, the, the scripture says, in the days of that kingdom, in the days of the kingdom, which is the fourth kingdom, uh, the, the feet of clay, if you study that vision very well, the feet of clay, which was the Roman Empire. 
the Roman Empire. And David, uh, Daniel interpreted that dream and said, At that time, the God of heaven, which is Daniel chapter 41, Daniel chapter 2, verse 41 to 42, he says, the, um, In that day you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron. It will be a divided kingdom, but it will have in it the toughness of iron, inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. Go to verse 43. As it told verse 43, and in, in that you saw the iron mixed to common clay, though combined with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, even as iron does not combine with poetry. Verse 44. Verse 44 now says, In the days, verse 44. In the days of those kings, in the days of which king now? It's talking about the Roman Empire. It says, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Praise God. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Yeah, I just have to use my Bible. It's not like using slide. Praise God. Yeah, it's better for me. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. It's talking about the characteristics of the kingdom. That the kingdom will never be destroyed, and that the kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms. What other kingdoms was he referring to? If you study the image of Daniel, he was referring to Babylon, Medopatia, Greece, and Rome. Okay? Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, if you've got to pay attention to that, and he crushed the iron and bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. So Daniel says that the interpretation of this dream is trustworthy. What is that? What is, what is important to us here is that in the days of those kings, which is the Roman Empire, the Lord will set up his kingdom. But many people, especially in the Christian faith, do not have a, a total understanding of the kingdom of God. So for us, the kingdom of God is always futuristic. So people wonder, yeah, if we're in the kingdom where we see the kingdom is not here until we get into the kingdom and all of that. But the Bible clearly tells us that it is in the days of the Roman Empire that God will set up his kingdom. Now, if you um, go to... If you go to Psalm 103 verse 19, it says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. We talked about four things that make up a kingdom. Can you remember that? What are the four things that make up a kingdom? Number one, a living king. You must put the word living there. A living king. Number two, the subjects of the king. Number three, a territory of a king. Uh, there must be a defined territory. And number four, the culture or the law of a king. That's what makes up a kingdom. If these four things are present, then a kingdom is established. Okay, now I want to run very quickly so we can. We talked about yesterday that God promised David that his seed would continue on the throne forever. How many of you remember that? We talked about that. And we said that when uh, the, the apostles began to write, they declared that Jesus was the seed of David. Romans chapter 1 verse 3 and 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 7. Praise God. And we said that the emphasis of the message of Jesus, and I interpreted Luke 16, 16 to you. The Bible says, um, from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violence and what? 
and the violin take it by force. And I interpreted that for you, right? Yeah, because some people just feel, you know, the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violent and the violent take it by force. So they begin to match, you know, match in their room. We are not, we, we no go agree, we no go agree kind of mindset. That's not what the Bible is talking about. That's not, it's not talking about you being a Pentecostal rascal. It's not talking about you being a spiritual activist. It's not Nigerian Union of Road Transport Workers mindset. That's not what it's talking about. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, if you read the New American Standard Bible, it says the law and the prophets were proclaimed unto John. That means before John, there was no revelation of the kingdom. It was only the law which Moses brought and what the prophets prophesied about the coming of Jesus that was available. It says, but since that time, which means since the time of John, that is why Jesus says of all the prophets that were born of a man, no man is, no prophet is as great as John. It doesn't make logical sense. John never performed any miracle. You remember that? John did not perform any miracle. Elijah did. All the other prophets, Moses, parted the Red Sea, John did nothing. All John did was just to shout, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Be baptized and be forgiven. How is that great? Remember what I told you. What is highly esteemed in the sight of God is lowly esteemed by men. And what is highly esteemed in the sight of men is lowly esteemed by God. If, if you are to choose who was the greatest prophet, who would you choose? Elijah, fire. You won't choose John the Baptist. He's too quiet. But you know why he said he's the greatest? He is the one who preached the message of the kingdom. They all prophesied the kingdom. They all gave laws about the kingdom. But the one who pointed men directly to the man who was to bring the kingdom was John the Baptist. No other messenger preached that. And says, since that time, the gospel of the kingdom has been preached. So, we realize that the gospel of the kingdom was preached from the time of John the Baptist. That's when that gospel, the word gospel in the Greek is evangelion. It means good news. It, it, uh, the good news about the kingdom of God was brought into manifestation when John started teaching. Then he says, and everyone is forcing his way into it. That's the violence. Because the Pharisees will not allow people to get the message. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The violent ticket it by force is not for you to kill your boss in the office. No. It's talking about the message. Pressing into the message. Pressing into the message. Getting a hold of the message and leaving the message. Now, John the Baptist preached this. Philip preached it in Acts chapter 8 verse 12. Paul preached it in Acts chapter 20 verse 25. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, the writer of Hebrews says that since we're receiving a kingdom, is an unshakable kingdom, let's be filled with gratitude. We're going to talk about this as we go on. And so worship God acceptably with reverence. Now, let's try to identify what's the kingdom of God. Let's, let's, let's define it from the scriptures. Go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. So let's, that's just to help you catch up. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke chapter 17 and verse 20. Luke 17 verse 20. Now, having been questioned, uh, let me 
let me let me say something here. Okay, let's read this, then I'll read another scripture in the book of Matthew, and then I'll explain something to you. Let's continue. Now, having been questioned by the Pharisees, remember the Pharisees were the custodians of the law. Now, let me explain this to you. Pay very close attention to this. The the people in Bible days they did not have the New Testament. Are you following that? They did not have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They didn't have the Gospels. They didn't have all of that. So, um, a lot of people came that they were the Savior. So, the, the only way they could actually identify who Jesus was, was to compare what was written in the Scriptures, which is the Old Testament, about the Messiah. Because a lot of people came and said they were the Messiah. So, uh, they had an understanding, pay attention to this, they had an understanding that God was going to establish his kingdom. But their mind was that the establishment of God's kingdom was going to be a physical thing, just as um, Medopatia conquered Babylon, and uh, Greece conquered Medopatia, and Rome conquered Greece, they felt when the kingdom of God comes, it will be that way. It will conquer everything, just as physical as it was. So when Jesus came and proclaimed himself the Messiah, they were expecting Jesus to lead a revolt against the Roman Empire. Physical revolt. That's what they were expecting. So uh, when Jesus began to talk about his death, they were very not comfortable you know, we're talking about Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. They were not happy with it. Because they looked like this was our savior. He ought to lead us the way Napoleon led. <laughs> you understand? They, they were not comfortable with it. So they, 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 they not asked him as to when the kingdom of God was coming. See, this kingdom, let's be clear on this factor. When, when this thing we're talking about. So when exactly is it coming? See the response of Jesus. See the response of Jesus. He answered them and said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. And, and a lot of preachers miss this phrase. And why a lot of preachers miss it is because a lot of preaching is carried on from what was heard. I'll give you an example. When, you, when, when, when people teach Matthew 24, they say the sign of the kingdom is wars and rumors of wars. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the end will come when the gospel of the kingdom is preached to all nations. Then the end will come. Not wars and signs and rumors of wars. The sign and the rumors of wars in Matthew 24 was talking about A.D. 70. Jesus was talking to them about the temple that in AD 70 he was prophesying that in AD 70 Jerusalem was going to be besieged by the Romans and um, that's why he said if you were on the mountaintop don't come down if you were in the farm don't, don't come in it's going to be a terrible day for women that were nursing children because it was if you go and read, if, you, if, you're, if you're interested in studying this further, go and read the writings of a man called the, the Jewish historian, one of the, the most profound Jewish historians. His name is Josephus. 
He, he wrote about the account of what happened in AD 70. That's when the abomination of desolation happened when a pig was sacrificed in the most holy place. Um, that was the most abominable thing that would happen in a Jewish system. That brought a closure. That Listen carefully. That brought a closure to the Old Testament completely. Because... If you were to be a Levite, um, you must come from the Levitical priesthood. Your history has to be traced from the Levitical priesthood. You see, by the destruction of the temple in AD 70, everything that had to do with the Levitical priesthood account was permanently destroyed. So anybody today who is saying he is a Levite, we should build a temple in Jerusalem, just wants some extra money. Are, are you following this now? Now, that was important because you must realize that the kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed. It doesn't come with signs to be observed. And we have to pay attention to the words of Jesus. And I've always told you, allow the scriptures define what is in the scripture. Don't, you know, don't have your mindsets about what the scripture is. Allow the scriptures, if you will take time to study the scriptures, there are other places in the scripture that explains any portion in the scripture you don't understand, if you will just take your time. So he says that the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Now, how is the kingdom of God going to come? Read on, verse 21. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, look at what the New American Standard Bible says, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, this is important. They ask Jesus, when will the kingdom come? Jesus says, it's not with physical observation. It's in your midst. It's either Jesus was lying or was telling the truth. Which do you think? You're not sure now. Which one do you think? Jesus is telling the truth, right? So he says the kingdom of God is in their midst. The amplified version would help you. Let's read the amplified version. Nor will people say, look, here it is, or see it is there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you, is in your heart. And among you, surrounding you. So Jesus tells us, and this ties with the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, <clears throat> that in the days of that kingdom, the Roman Empire, God will set up his kingdom. And remember, Jesus is referred to as the chief cornerstone. It was a stone that was cut out without human hands. We'll have time to deal with some of that. But let me explain something to you. Go to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7. Matthew 10 and verse 7. Are you following this? Say amen if you are following. Alright. Uh, let's, let's look at this, right? Matthew 10, 7. As you go, preach. The word preach is to proclaim. You know, most times I've heard people say that, and it's very funny. People, sometimes people say, 
you know the way I'm talking now, I'm teaching. Then uh, anybody that will say, you know how preaching is, you know, loud. I say that one is a preacher. This one is a teacher. That's English definition. The word preach is is kajerma in the Greek. It means to proclaim an announcement. You can you can make an announcement, you know, shouting. You can make an announcement keeping quiet. It's not the personality type that defines who is a teacher or who is a preacher. Are you hearing this? If you study those two words carefully, you'll see that Jesus used them interchangeably. Preaching and teaching. There are actually, um, there are actually, we won't go there now, but there are actually eight um, Hebrew words for teaching. Eight different types of Hebrew words for teaching, which connotes the different levels of understanding and impartation that comes as a result of teaching. They are teaching that brings correction. They are teaching that brings instruction. They are teaching that brings edification. But let's leave all of that. Proclaiming, it means when you go, proclaim. Tell them something. It's news you're telling them. You're announcing something to them. He says, as you go, preach, proclaim, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, um, the word at hand, if you use some other translation, he uses the word um, has come near. If you use the NIV, it says the kingdom of God. Do you have the NIV? Then it's verse 7 now. As you go, preach this message. As you go, preach this message. Praise God. Are you here? The kingdom of heaven is near. <clears throat> now, the word at hand is, is an old English word. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't speak of something that is coming in that sense. Let me explain how it was used in those days to you. John, come. This is example. No, let me, let me use, no, let me use uh, Ruth, come. So that these days that any short clip is being. So let's say I'm a king. And she's a queen. I wanted to use him as queen. But if they take that one minute clip, you know we're all in trouble. That the pastor in Bonnie Island took a man as queen. So let's just make sure in the example we don't give any offense. So um, in those days, if the king was going to a function and he holds the hand of the queen, they would announce, let's say, the king of KDCC is coming and the queen at hand. Now, this does not mean they are separated or the king is coming. It actually means the queen and the king came at the same time. So when the, when the scripture says, thank you, when the scripture says the kingdom of God is at hand, it does not mean that the kingdom of God will soon come. No. When the king came, the kingdom came with the king. Are you following this? That's why some other translations worked on that and they say the kingdom of heaven is near. So they say, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's at hand. It's not like it will come 2,000 years. No, it's near. It's very present. The kingdom of God is very present. 
Are you following this now? The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. How were you translated from the kingdom of darkness? When you believed in the Lord Jesus, were you in a physical kingdom? No, you were not in a physical kingdom. You were governed by the satanic forces of this world. You subjected yourself to the rule of Satan. In the same way that you were delivered from the kingdom of darkness, so also Jesus now brought you into the kingdom of his beloved son. If you were not in a physical kingdom when you were in darkness, there's no way the kingdom of God he has brought you would be a physical kingdom. We believe that we were in the kingdom of darkness. Praise God. We believe that we were in the kingdom of darkness. But then, when it comes to the kingdom of God, we feel, no, it has to be. You know, wrong teachers are destructive. When I was growing up, a Sunday school teacher, one of my old Sunday school teachers, God forgive him, said, when we get to heaven, I'll talk about this as we go on, he says, anything we want, if we just want food, we'll just say, rice, rice will appear. I'm telling you. And you know, he, 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 he asks us if we want to go to heaven. All of us. All of us. That's why, I, you see, I'm very careful uh, about the teachers who teach at uh, Church. Because, let me explain this to you. And pay a, a careful attention to this if you're teaching this ministry. You might think that you are trying to simplify something so that the children would understand. But you have taught them something that is not in the scriptures. And that can be a motivation. So when they say, how many of us wanted to go to heaven? In those days, I used to like my mind a lot. That they used to hawk around. And my mother would just buy a very small one for me. I just thought, listen, I will solve this woman's problem. Once I get to heaven, the first one week... I don't even want to talk to Jesus. We are there forever. The first one week is just to order my, 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 you know. And that was my motivation for giving my life to Christ. That's why you must understand that uh, many people 